Hello and welcome to Will at Warwick, a podcast from the University of Warwick. I'm Tom Abbott and in this episode we are examining Shakespeare from opposite ends of the spectrum. Later we will hear from Bardathon blogger Peter Kerwin about his epic year seeing every single production of the RSC's Complete Works season. But first, Will at Warwick's Dominic Dean spoke to comedian Lenny Henry and director Barry Rutter at a recent workshop on just 14 lines of Othello, hosted by Warwick's Capital Centre. I'm joined now by Barry Rutter, the director of Northern Broadside's theatre company, and by Lenny Henry, well known as a comedian and a performer of many types. Today, however, he's been working on something a bit different. Barry and Lenny have been um, rehearsing uh, some scenes from Othello in preparation for a production. Lenny, if I could start with you, I understand you've had quite an interesting journey to come to this point, to playing Othello. It's not perhaps what you're best known for. How, how did you come here? Well, I've had, I've had several brushes with Shakespeare in the past. Uh, very funny, uh, when I did a film called True Identity in the early 90s in America, one of the things I had to do was learn the handkerchief scene from Othello. And um, I had to watch, I thought the way to do it was to watch lots and lots of um, films and plays of Othello on television. And I watched the Olivier version of Othello about 40 times and uh, found myself getting very annoyed with it because um, he was blacked up. And I don't know what was on my mind, but I knew that although there were brilliant moments in it, I just thought, this is a bit minstrelly. This feels like minstrelsy. And I admire Olivier, but I, I, I'm not liking this, and I'm, there's a blockage there. Previous to that, my big thing with Shakespeare was that I was allergic. I had a crap English teacher, uh, God rest his soul, and um, I didn't kill him, but God rest his soul, <laughs> and who um, threw Romeo and Juliet at all of us in our class, all 30 of us, and said, read that. <laughs> that was my introduction to Shakespeare. Mm. So we all had to read it. There was no, there was no come on, let's get up and do it. There was no explanation of how sexy Shakespeare can be, how dramatic, how, how, what great dynamics it's got, how violent it can be. It was just read that. And of course, when you read it like that as a 14-year-old kid, you get bored witless. Mm -hmm. And I was just bored with it. I didn't understand the percussiveness of the language then. I didn't understand the rock and roll of it. So I was very... Um, I was anti it. And so my experience of Shakespeare was, oh, this is that thing that's just for posh people who talk funny. Um, later on, I did some study in Blackpool. I did um, in English O-level, English language and English literature, and I studied Henry IV Part One, And I enjoyed it a bit more then because it was one-on-one, -on -one, and I had a better tutor who just seemed to understand a bit more about it. He said, you should go and see some plays, enjoy some plays. So I went to the National and saw some things, and I, I went to the RSC and saw some things. And although I didn't quite, I still wasn't, quite sure if I liked it or not, because there are moments in Shakespeare where you sit there and go, what? what, what? The two blokes have just explained the whole of the backstory and I still don't understand what the hell's going on. Um, but slowly I started to get more into it. Then I'm, I've, I've been doing an English literature degree, this is gonna finish in a minute, I promise. My point and I do have one is this. I did a year in my English literature degree of Shakespeare and in that year, I saturated myself. I oversaturated myself with plays. I listened to everything three or four times. I went to see things. I watched DVDs. And I grew to love the flow of Shakespeare, the rhythmic flow of it, the, the beauty of the rhyme, the beauty of the speech. I, I love the silences. And I love, I love how some people can do it really well and some people can do it really badly. 
And, uh, and there are titans of Shakespearean acting where it's like they're talking to you and you're in the room and you're just there listening to them. You know, Judy Dench speaks and it's glorious sometimes. It's just like she's talking to you and you're her best friend. When I met Barry, I was doing this um, radio thing called Will and Me, where I was basically externalising all of these fears about Shakespeare, this working-class horror of iambic pentameter. And I got to meet Peter Hall and Trevor Nunn and Judy Dench and actors like Patterson Joseph and Adrian Lester, who all said, you should have a go at Shakespeare, Lynn. Don't be frightened of it. Come on. This is our heritage too. It's for all of us. It's for the world. And we rang Barry up on the phone. And Barry talked about the rock and roll of the language and about how if you want to say a medicinable gum, you can, actually. Whatever your accent is, that's what you can do. Uh, and after that conversation, Simon, the producer, said, we should get Barry down. If he'll come down, why don't we have a masterclass with Barry and see what happens? And so we had, <laughs> we had three hours on 14 lines of text. We did the last, we, we did the last scene of Othello. And Barry, the last, speech. the last speech for Othello, um, soft you uh, a word or two before you go. And um, Barry and I worked through those lines for three hours with um, Simon Elms, the producer director, taping everything that happened. And it was an it was an epiphany moment for me, because if you're in light entertainment or you do situation comedy, you never spend that long on fourteen lines. You would never dream of spending that long on a paragraph of, of speech. You know, it's learn it and get on. Do it softer, louder. Can you get there quicker? That's what they do. But here we were examining every beat of the speech. Every, every single line had some kind of illusion or metaphor or some connective tissue to another part of the play. And Barry made me understand that you've got to look at these things because they all count. They all mean something. And so I came out of there raving. And Barry said, well, look, if you want to do Othello, we should... We should have a workshop, and we could probably do it at Warwick, Warwick Uni, and uh, and then we'll see how we get on from there. But I'm enjoying it so far. I'm having a great day. Barry, um, when you mm. worked on those 14 lines with Ernie Henry, it must have been quite an unusual experience for you too, because presumably this was the first time you'd worked with Ernie Henry, was it? It's the first time I'd met him. I'd spoken to him over the phone, but uh, the first time we'd met. But uh... <clears throat> And for someone who's not... You know, known or established as a Shakespeare performer, but for very different things. What was your experience of working with Lenny? Well, obviously, as a performer in his own right, he wasn't unknown to me, and also he'd done the serious uh, stuff on the television. I wanted also to uh, for the uh, for the actual thing to expand, because I wanted Lenny to do some comedy as well. Uh, and although um, that's that is his metier on as a performer. Um, I'm sure that, uh, again, Shakespearean comedy, or some of it, is very, very different, like in Dogbury and Bottom. But we just did the Othello, and a great double act would be to do something like Othello and The Dream or Othello and Much Ado together as a double. Uh, uh, and I could see that happening greatly. But I enjoyed it. But actually, to be uh, that, that this then has resonance, because when... I, when I was in rehearsals for my present production of The Tempest. We went to see Lenny in his own one-man comedy show. And Lenny does nothing in that show that cannot be used with Shakespeare's text in the play Othello. And that was a comedian on song. And there is rhythms and styles and pauses and things. And, all, and I thought, yeah. Although it was in a comic vein, 
although everybody in that audience expected Lenny just to be funny or funny as well as they, there was things that I thought, you know, Othello is just round the corner. It's not a million miles away. And so I confirmed it to myself. So when Professor Rutter here came up with the idea, you know, of doing it here, uh, it was, uh, it was, a, it was a, a real treat because, you know, we're halfway through the day and already I think both of us, uh, including our colleagues, um, Conrad and uh, Michelle, you know, we've got a particular bug. Now, whether we can get that bug out uh, remains to be seen, but none of, none of us are putting any sort of uh, um, restrictions against it. So hopefully we can get this thing on the stage. What's great is, as well, Barry's not... Uh... I don't feel like I'm being patronised or, um, or, oh, well, Lenny's a comedian, so he won't understand what we're doing here. What's great is that there's, there's, a, there's an allowance being made, but generally uh, we're just chucking each other. Barry's just chucked me into the deep end and I'm having to swim. And it's good fun, actually. I, I didn't think I'd feel like this. It's funny, isn't it? You approach a beat. This is a big day for me. But actually, we're halfway through it now, and we've we've had a quite a heavy session of going through a scene and working our way through it, and it's really taught me a lot. Even today, I've I've learnt a great deal, um, and of course, when there are students there, um, after a while, the students they're inhibited at the beginning, aren't they? Because it's Barry Rutter and Lenny Henry, and then and then suddenly they start joining in. And, and you know, the minute Barry said any questions, they were going, "Yeah, you, the guy, the big guy, the black guy." When you pick her up, don't pick her up like that. They start redirecting the scene. You know, they start joining in. Yeah, yeah, it it's great. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. But you can't let democracy go too far in a rehearsal <laughs> period. You know, I, I always, I always say, you know, that you know that I am. A, it's all right. We all have ideas, but in the end, you know, I am the, uh, I'm the democratic dictator. Yes. Whereas I invite that. That means I invite everyone agree to agree with my final decision. <laughs> And shut up. Yeah. But, I, but I've, I've enjoyed it so far. And uh, there's things that stand out. The, 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 the use of space, um, the, the blocking, when, they, when, they, when you actually choreograph the scene. Uh, now, Barry has, Barry has explained this morning that you, you actually have to re-block a scene every time you come to a different performance space yeah. because no two performance spaces are the same, especially these days when you're working in leisure centres and stuff. Um, uh, and that surprises me because... When you do when you do stand up, you walk out and you face the front. Whereas there are issues like when you turn your back, how long do you have your back turned for? Um, does it disadvantage the people diagonally behind you? You know, it's all things like that. So you have to really work hard when you come to a new space to figure out, oh, where do I do this? Would it be better if I ran to this part and turned then? And it, it's incredibly interesting. Uh, also. You know, we haven't really talked very much about the, the speaking the speech because that's that's incredibly important to Barry and the rhythms of the speech and the, the what to hit, what you know, the um, hitting the alliterations and things like that. Because we're trying to give a more a broader view of what it is like to rehearse, to give them the rehearsal experience. Yeah, obviously, I mean, the whole thing is in a nub. You know, in two hours, what can you do? In two hours, as as Lenny said before, we spent two hours on fourteen lines. Uh, for students to that would be very very boring. So obviously we're making it, we're making it much more expansive than than a normal rehearsal period. That's not to say that it has been fertile. It's been terrific. And also none of it was planned. And this afternoon session, which we're going to do now, none of that's planned neither because I've chosen a different bit of the text to do. So we are walking in there, do asking ourselves how 
we're going to do this. Yes. And experimenting in that way, which is fun. Yeah. So it may be slightly nerve-wracking to do even that first moment of rehearsal in front of an audience, which must be a bit unusual, I guess. Well, what's, what's, what's very good about it is that, um, as I said before, there's a deep end. There's a chuckling into the deep end and see if he swims. Uh, and this next speech that he's chosen is... It's it's a lyrical speech from... from uh, Do you want to just give us a few no, lines? No, I don't. I'm, I'm just going to look for it. But it's, it's, it's a fellow who's just come back from the wars and he greets, his, he greets Desdemona on the docks. And it's a beautiful, flowing, poetic um, celebration of love. He kisses her. He, he tells her that, you know, this is the happiest moment of his life yeah. to, see, to see her again. And he's long before the tragedy. Long even, before... The, you know. uh, it's incredibly romantic. So this is very different to what we did this morning, which was the, you know, I'll chop her all into messes stuff. Um, so Barry's picking out things that give different aspects of the characters so that we can explore it a bit and explore the different... Uh, emotional states and that's doing me a lot of good it's helping me to understand that uh, Iago is actually a really good part <laughs> that's a good place to end Bardathon blogger Peter Kerwin is one of a very small number of people who were lucky enough to see every single production in the Royal Shakespeare Company's complete work season in the first of his regular columns for Will at Warwick Peter gives us his thoughts on the season and picks out his high and low points from the year. When I first heard about the Complete Works, it was running over the exact two years that I was doing my MA in Shakespearean performance. And initially I thought, well, there's quite a lot of plays on it, it'd be a really good chance to kind of see a few and compare and contrast. Um, and then the more I looked at the programme, the more I thought, actually, I'd like to see that. Actually, I don't particularly want to miss that. And in the end, it became this... Uh, um, slightly slightly obsessive uh, desire to see the whole thing. The main things I got out of seeing the complete works was the chance to see so, so much variety. If it had just been the Royal Shakespeare Company doing 54 plays by itself, um, the festival wouldn't have had nearly as much value. What was fascinating about this festival was seeing 30 different companies from all around the world doing Shakespeare in different languages, different styles, different eras, sometimes completely rewriting it, sometimes responding to it, sometimes only the vaguest, tenuous link to Shakespeare. But everyone there for the same purpose, for this, for this sake of responding to what Shakespeare's doing in the 21st century. And that's been pretty spectacular. Getting to see everything in such close proximity to each other throws up these... Uh, amazing links. What well, One day you're watching medieval history, the next you're watching um, fairies and monsters on Enchanted Island. It emphasises what Shakespeare actually gave us, uh, this incredible canon reaching most of human experience. And the complete works allowed for, to, for that to actually be seen in context. You know, it wasn't the Shakespeare of the tragedy or the Shakespeare of comedy, it was all of Shakespeare. The highlights absolutely had to be the closing production, King Lear. It was VRSE, Trevor Nunn directing, Ian McKellen starring. Awesome cast, awesome performances, and properly impacting theatre. Uh, the kind of theatre which has you on the edge of your seats, crying buckets. I woke up the next day feeling like a close friend of mine had died. It was, uh, it, it was just gut-wrenching. But immediately juxtaposed with that was the, uh, the Indian Midsummer Night's Dream, which came completely at the other end of a Shakespearean canon. Um, High comedy, very, very physical. Um, it's an Indian company who were all trained acrobats, performing, using all sides of the stage, um, the, the vertical as well as the horizontal, um, and speaking in seven different languages with no subtitles, yet completely 
clear what bit, um, what was going on. And to see those two plays within uh, a couple of weeks of each other, it, was, it, it felt like two completely different writers from two completely different time periods. And, and to realise that it is still this one man is, is, a, pretty, is a pretty amazing thing. The Lowlights um, surprised me because The Lowlights came from some of the most respected directors of, of, of our times, uh, such as Peter Hall with his Measure for Measure and Peter Stein with his Troilus and Cressida. What the complete work showed was that innovation is the most important thing. Innovation is the way to keep Shakespeare alive in the 21st century. And Peter Hall and Peter Stein with their productions created these com- very, very traditional and very, very boring, there's no other word for it, very boring productions, which didn't creatively engage with the text at all, just tried to tried to show something which which was probably very accurate in many ways, but very undramatic and very, and very difficult to watch. And it really surprised me, because both those productions I was, I was very excited about seeing. It's amazing to see how, how a production... Even, even with the cream of British talent, can just can fall flat by simply not challenging itself. The biggest surprise of the festival was probably uh, Othello, which was, it was the only, only Othello in the festival. It was a two-hour, one-act um, German version of a play and completely rewritten in contemporary dialogue, some of the most graphic language and explicit imagery that I've ever seen on a stage, yet still very recognisably Othello. Um, offended a lot of people, a great many walkouts from it. It wasn't really Shakespeare, but for me, Shakespeare survived in it, even with all his language cut from it. The most innovative uh, production had to be the, the, the tiny ninja Hamlet. Um, one man, lots of little plastic two-inch high figures, creating a, a version of Hamlet with tiny video cameras, assuming in and out of tiny sets, um, he had a transformer playing Fort in Barass. He had little men on springs as 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 the courtiers, and it it was it was actually very very exciting and very interesting to watch. And the kids in the audience just just went nuts for it. They really really loved it. There were innovations, of course, that didn't work. The sonnets project, which attempted to set sonnets to um, pieces of music performed by a classical uh, consort, but written by contemporary composers. And what actually ended up on stage was a lot of electronic gurgling with opera singers trying to sing over it, and it didn't. It, everyone there just wasn't quite sure what they were meant to be meant to be watching. I think the season has been an incredibly successful. One, the festival has done something really, really important, especially in Stratford, which is the you know the home of Shakespeare and, and the, the centre of traditional performance. In that, because it's brought brought together all these styles and shown what the RSC can do and can present when they put their minds to it i think it's set a new standard for for what audiences will, will expect from now on they're not going to expect tired rehashes of plays done in the same way anymore they, they are going to expect innovation and, and excitement on stage to me certainly it felt like i was seeing a lot of of brand new plays simply because of how freshly these other companies had approached it and i think that's set a big challenge for the RSC. If you would like to comment on anything you've heard in this podcast or have suggestions for future episodes, then you can contact us by email at t.abbott at warwick.ac.uk. In our next episode, we take a behind-the-scenes look at a recent production of Richard II.